Childhood vaccinations are controversial for some parents because it involves issues of consent and parental rights. One aspect of the issue is the divergence between public opinion and the scientific consensus. One pupil in January found that there was an 18-point difference between parents and scientists on the issue of mandatory vaccinations for children. To help us understand a bit more of why this divide between the public and scientists has happened, Alan McKee joins us. Alan, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Not at all, Samaya. My pleasure. So, Alan, do vaccines work? Well, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention say that vaccines are one of the greatest public health achievements of the 20th century. Childhood vaccinations produce immunity nearly 100% of the time. You know, formerly fatal diseases like polio and measles, they're now a distant memory largely because of vaccinations. Unfortunately, they're kind of a victim of their own success. In the place where vaccinations have been the most successful, like the United States or Canada, there's been this movement to kind of not get vaccinated or not, parents not get their kids vaccinated. Yeah. What do you think accounts for that? Well, I think one of the problems is that you have people like Jenny McCarthy who go on TV and say that vaccine gave her son autism, despite the fact that there's only one study that's ever suggested this, which was thoroughly discredited and retracted in 2010. Its principal author, Andrew Wakefield, was stripped of his medical license recently. The other problem, I think, is that journalists have really failed on the question of vaccinations and have failed on the question of science reporting in general. You know, journalists love to have two sides to every story, but in science, you're either right or you're wrong. Um, I talked to Dr. Paul Offit in Philadelphia. He told me why science, it's not a debate. The problem with science is it's not very politically correct. It's, it's not politics or religion or philosophy. There aren't two sides. Uh, you know, you have a hypothesis, and you're, you're ultimately you're right or you're wrong. So... Yeah, I think that the media's job is to entertain, and entertain means conflict. And so you tell two sides of a story when only one side is supported by the science because it's more interesting. And journalists just don't understand that there aren't two sides to science? In general, no. Most journalists don't have a science background, and it seems many have a pretty poor understanding of how science works in general. Um, In addition to having, you know, no expertise in science, Like I said, you know, journalists love conflict. So in a vaccine story, for example, you put one person who represents the overwhelming scientific consensus, which is that vaccinations like the HPV vaccine, the MMR vaccine, or any any other of these 26 vaccinations that kids get or you get later in life are perfectly safe. And then on the other side, you put a crackpot who says that vaccines cause autism. In the end, the viewer doesn't learn anything and everybody's confused, you know. And Offit has told me about his experience with uh, journalists facing this problem. First of all, the scientific reporter is dead. I mean, are there still scientific reporters? They're all, you know, they're mostly, they're not even health reporters. They're just consumer reporters. Because the reporters that call me, I'd like a nickel for every time one says, look, I don't have any science background. Yet they're writing about a scientific article or a scientific issue. So um, help us unpack that. Why do you think reporters need a science background? Look, if the reporter who's covering a science story doesn't understand it, there's an obvious issue there. If he doesn't understand the story or she doesn't understand the story, there's no hope for the reader. So it seems straightforward. I mean, why don't news organizations just send journalists who do understand science to cover scientific stories? Well, in a perfect world, they would, I hope. But I'm sure I don't need to tell you, but newsrooms are shrinking. And just like anyone else, science journalists need salaries. So with fewer resources, they're just not going to invest in a science reporter who has that expertise, or even worse, a, sci- a reporter who needs to develop that expertise. Uh, one of the guys who's been really kind of um, driving home this point about good journalism and 
on uh, science stories is Ben Radford. He's the editor of Scientific Inquirer, which is this magazine that kind of investigates and debunks pseudoscientific claims. He explained more about this crisis of uh, newsrooms. As, as news organizations have been sort of cut more and more, um, these, the, the information gathering, particularly in the, in the sciences, is, is cut down. And so you've got news organizations that emphasize, um, you know, breaking news. You've got them, you know, the entertainment news. You've got the red carpet. Uh, but very short shrift is typically given to in-depth uh, examinations of science, uh, science stories. So if in-depth science reporting isn't valued or prioritized in a newsroom, what can be done to get good information out there? Right. So I think what could really be helpful is that if there were some really kind of star media-savvy science educators, you've got a few. You've got, you know, Bill Nye, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, but, you know, there aren't many. Having scientists giving journalists reliable information in a clear, straightforward way I think would really do a lot to... uh, debunk a lot of this pseudoscience that's floating out around there. Great. Thank you so much, Alan. No problem, Smyre.